My guest today is a master seamstress, and at one time she was in an abusive marriage, which led to a fatal accident that got her 20 years in prison. She did four of those, all at the hobby unit, where God took her from sewing SCW to sewing SOW. You don't want to miss today's episode. We do a background check on Tina Washington. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is is background check you already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down now you can bet i won't live in regret it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check hey everyone welcome to background check podcast where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back it should pay you back uh, thank you for tuning in once again thank you for tuning in every week I just wanted to uh, make everyone aware that we are over the 30,000 download milestone. Thank you so much. Every every 10,000, I like to celebrate. So we finally hit the 30,000. And it's it's uh, all because of you guys sharing the, the podcast with people. Uh, you, you guys in prison and jails across the nation, uh, subscribing, following, downloading the episodes and listening to them. Thank you so much. I would have never dreamed that, uh, that, that, you know, we would be here at this point. You know, I hear people talk about their hundred thousandth episode and I guess we'll get there at some point, you know, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy to do this every week. The background check-ins on Mondays. I'm loving those. I know you are too. Thank y'all for everyone who writes in. I promise we read everyone's, I promise. And then sometimes I lay it down in the pile in a stack and then uh, I may forget yours may get lost. I'm just being open and transparent. I'm, I'm coming up with a better system where I can put the ones that, you know, uh, write in about the podcast and, uh, and write about a certain guest that impacted their heart, impacted their life. And, uh, but I do, if, if you mention a guest in a certain episode, I take a picture right then and I text it to them. So I want to thank you for writing in, letting us know what the show has done, what the background check-ins on Monday have done, has done for you. It really helps us keep going, and uh, and I want to thank you. Of course, we're brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. We uh, we got some, you know, just announcements to get out of the way for Forgiven Felons. We, um, we're selling merchandise. So if you're, obviously you can't when you're in prison, but if you're out here, and uh, once you get out, if you want a Forgiven Felons beanie, a Forgiven Felons shirt, keep calm, I'm a Forgiven Felons shirt, sweatshirt, all that stuff. Uh, wristband, it's on the website. I was just at a uh, lunch at a place called Oddfellows uh, this, earlier this week, and I had a wristband on. It said ForgivenFelons.org, but the guy who walked by our table, uh, one of the servers there, wasn't ours, he said, hey, man, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just see your, your wristband. It says Felons.org. And I said, yeah, no, I showed him the whole thing. It says forgivenfelons.org. And then he has a he has a, a good friend that's getting out of federal prison, you know. And so these things, man, just open up a conversation with people. If you're if you're wondering like how can I share my story with people without going on stage, without being on a podcast, without, you know, 
th- doing things you may not even want to do. If you wear something that says forgiven felons on it, or if you wear something that says keep calm, I'm a forgiven felon. Yeah, sure. You're helping our ministry by buying the shirt. You know, you're helping donate through the, through the purchase of the shirt or the hat or wristband or whatever. But what you're doing now is you're sharing your message with people because people are going to ask you about that. And you don't have to tell them about the ministry. Just tell them about you. Just tell them about you. Just say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a forgiven felon. And I have a story. And, and here's what it is. And you might be able to touch that person right there in that moment. Your background is paying you back. And, and you're getting your money's worth for the, for, the, for the piece of clothing or apparel or whatever that you bought that's helping our ministry. So go to forgivenfellows.org. Uh, slash shop and uh, you know or just if you're out here and you go to the website just go to the website and then I got a link right there on the homepage for you to click on the merchandise so we got everything we got background check podcast shirts as well and sweatshirts so I'm thinking about doing background check hats but anyway hey uh, exciting news Uh, I just went to look at another building for some space and we have a realtor that is just sending me spaces right and left to look at so we're we're we're, i feel like we're building up some steam i'm also going to sit down with somebody and give him um a picture of what we want and he's going to draw it up and and do it the most cost effective way uh i'm thinking like metal building on a slab and then just finish out the inside but he's going to give us a price of what it costs like if we had our own land like an acre or two uh and, and we bought that and then we built the building on it. We're going to see what that costs. So be praying over all of this. Pre, be praying for the search. Be praying for, a you know, looking for something to lease or buy or new construction. So I feel like we're getting closer and closer to God providing the miracle. So we're excited. Uh, I don't have any shout outs this week, but I do want to just shout out in general to all of you uh, who are listening here, out here and in the in prisons. Uh, thank you. Uh, we get messages all the time from people that say out here that say that they share their podcast with one of their loved ones. Um, we also get letters from you guys in prison, messages on the tablets as well that uh, it's impacting y'all. But I just want to say shout out to the uh, Kyle unit, Chaz, the Pillars class. What's up, man? Uh, can't wait to get down there. So send me some dates. I'm coming. All right. Um, I want to see, let me see, I want to say hi to uh, Michael Etchison and the Restorative Justice Organization, the RJO up in Missouri, Northeast Correctional Center, or as Mike uh, likes to call it, the I think the Northeast uh, Territory of Forgiven Felons, something like that. I know it's, I know it's, he, he says it sounds, it sounds better. But anyway, uh, I want to shout out to all you guys. We're getting letters uh, from people in California, so shout out to California now. Uh, who's listening on tablets. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Er, of course, Arizona, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, you guys up in Connecticut and New York, the, all that are listening, uh, Arkansas, uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, I believe is from where we're getting them. Uh, but thank you for writing in. All you guys from Texas, obviously you have my heart. Uh, Texas, uh, I don't know who's new, what what uh, units are new that have them, but welcome, welcome, welcome. This podcast is all about just, you know, we believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. And this podcast is paying me back and I'm helping other people uh, make their background, pay them back by coming on, sharing their stories and letting it impact 
uh, people all across the world, and literally world. I mean, we have people in India. What's up, India? If you're from India, send us a message, man. Thank you for listening. Australia, the Queensland, thank you guys. You guys over there in the reentry field over there, thank you for listening. Uh, Brazil, uh, Spain, Italy, Turkey, I mean, all these places, man. Thank you guys for listening. We have somebody in, I think it was Pakistan. Um, so just thankful. 30,000, over 30,000 downloads. And we love y'all. Uh, keep listening. My guest today is an amazing lady, Tina Washington. She got a 20-year sentence. And uh, she accidentally killed her husband. She wasn't trying to kill him. She was just trying to to, to kind of defend herself from the, the abuse that she was suffering. And uh, But, man, she is an amazing speaker and author. Uh, she goes back into the hobby unit and other units in the Murray unit. Um, she also facilitates the overcomers class here at the South Dallas Half Crown Parole Office. That's the one I reported to uh, for about a year and a half. And so I got to go speak at that class and hear her. And uh, she's just an amazing woman. She goes to a great church, Antioch Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church. Pastor Chris Wesley, one of my friends there, an amazing church. Go check him out. He's got a great gospel album, too, Undignified Praise. We talk about that in the interview, so I'm just going to let us get to the interview. All right, everybody say, get to the interview, J.D.N. All right, here's my interview with um, with Miss Washington. Tina, a.k.a. Ty Washington, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Jay, thanks for having me. I've been waiting to get here for a while This has since been we met. so good. Uh, we met last fall, sometime last fall, September, October, somewhere. And uh, I visited um, Antioch Fellowship, Antioch Fellowship Missionary, Missionary Baptist, Baptist Church. Church. It's a lot of words to, to, to remember. Uh, my friend Chris Wesley pastors there, and my friend Jeremy Donovan pastors there. And so I went to hear Jeremy speak, and uh, and, and I had the honor of meeting you there that morning. And 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 you told me what you did, and so we connected. Um, and I got to go speak at your class that you facilitate. And it has been a pleasure getting to know you. You came to our Forgiven Felons Christmas party. That was awesome. But you're an amazing woman. You are a speaker, an author. Uh, you've been out of prison since 2013. Talk to us. Let's start. Let's start there. You know, let's start who you, who you are now, what you do, your family, everything you've got going on since you've been out of prison. And then we'll uh, then we'll dig into your background. All right, sounds you, good. Tell your story, all right? 2013, I tell you, it would be an unforgettable day getting my release the day after my daughter's birthday. So I came home, been able to celebrate because I've seen so many people who got out and missed all of those yeah, moments. Yeah, they're usually, they're usually horrible about timing those events. The timing. It'd be God just like, I just missed the, the, missed the graduation, just missed the birthday, but it was perfect. I've celebrated her birthday and the ending of the year and opened up a whole brand new year with my new normal. Uh, walking down parole but then of course I came home with a whole bunch of tickets yeah whole bunch of obligations and requirements from parole but you know what God always got a hidden blessing behind the things that looked like a burden so I had to get on get on schedule trying to take care of some things so doing that 2014 journey I was doing my community service time and I met my husband oh so now I've been happily married for some years now because we got married 2015 so let me tell you I had to go do community service I had quite a few hours we won't discuss that right now but I had a few and so guess what I knew how to get up turn out and get her done so I was there every single day and I completed it within a two-month span but during that time, he was my supervised supervisor, okay. and so he, he supervised the team I was on. And God told me that he was going to be the one. I was Ooh. like, 
God, I'm not trying to be out of compliance. I'm not trying to be out of place. Out of place, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to wow. do the right thing. I ain't trying to cheat like I used to and get mm. over with these hours and whatever. But nevertheless, he waited for me to finish my very last day before he could get my phone number. And wow. um, and we dated. We dated. And then he, he knew he wanted to be married. Six months later, he proposed. And a year later, we were married. Wow. So 2015, I got married. During that time, I was already working on my book. So he was there to support me. So okay. God knew I needed to have that support. With yeah, me during yeah. that time trying to comply with parole, you know, having two two students uh, at home. My son went off to college. He went off on a scholarship. Wow. So that was another blessing to have yeah. in my life. You know, that takes away the financial burden that happens yes. when you're coming home on parole. You have a lot of requirements and obligations. And so God gave me a husband, took my son off to school with a scholarship. We had my daughter at home. We had a chance to bond as a family because it was her father that was affected by this situation the most, you know. And so during that time, I started journaling my books okay. and so i've published uh three or four books since then um and i've done a lot of public speaking i've been interviewed by channel five for giving away a mask during the pandemic because i'm mm. a master seamstress i've also uh, been interviewed by cbn telling my story about what happened on the 700 club i've had an opportunity to go back to prison i've been to several of them wow. including my home Come unit on, list them all out so I've gone to my home unit, Hobby. Hobby, what's up, Hobby? Y'all have tablets. Hobby, we in the house, okay? Yeah, so I'm going to walk this down. We've been to Lane Mary. They got they tablets. They got tablets, hey, Lane Mary, we in the Lane house. Mary? So I'll go to Mountain View. I've gone to Hilltop, Hilltop Trustee. I've gone to Woodman. I've also done Marlin. That's in N1 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So and I also facilitate class at the parole office. Yes, you do. That's mm-hmm. that I came in and shared at that class. What, what what do they think of you? I mean, you're just like they were. Let me tell they you. Are. They and they at first it was a hurdle because it's a lot of guys. It's yeah. more guys than ladies, but they I've earned their trust. Yeah. Um, both directions from the officers to the uh the formerly incarcerated individuals because number one, they don't want to see a woman, especially if I share my testimony, like mm. I want her to teach me, but we've yeah. got a good relationship established as well as with the officers because they had to realize that I'm, I'm just like them starting right. my life over, you know? And so they had to realize that I was here to just provide what God <sighs> wanted me to come do as a volunteer. But it was, it was, some, it was some interesting journeys through that time. Oh, Five man. years in, I've learned a lot. That's cool. Now, okay. You said you've been back to hobby. So the very first time you ever set foot back in hobby again. And I remember my first time going back into, I never went back to, um, I haven't been back to any of the five units that I actually did time on, but I've been to a lot of units that are very similar and set up is exactly the same. But the first time you ever went back into hobby unit and walked those same areas that you used to walk in with wearing white, how did that make you feel? It was so unsurreal. I mean, to walk down that rec yard and our rec yard is not a short walk. So it give you time to pace No, it's it. not. I mean, it's, it's a walk. And so to walk, and then when I first started, I was like, oh, my God, I remember my very last day leaving this unit on this rec yard, walk out of here. But I looked up, and I saw someone coming toward me. And, of course, they had to stay in the yellow line, and I didn't have yep. to be in the line. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, i make sure that I'm not out of place up in here, you know. But I, I, I had a moment of just like, wow, God, I made it. And, yeah. I, and I hope I can share a, a story of hope that you can make it too, but it was very unsurreal to just be in that same spot. My goodness. Wow. Uh, so now you go to a church. Uh, how long have you been at Antioch? So I've been back at Antioch since I've been back home. So I went back the very first time I came home and the first Sunday I was at Were Antioch. Were you already uh, I was already a, me- a member at Antioch. Okay. All right. Yeah. So then I was a good so, straggler. So then you've known Chris's family forever. Yes. I was under Dr. Carey's okay. uh, leadership. 
during right. that time. And so, but when I came back, it was interesting because I had watched my mom's journey during that time and I didn't really want to go to a big church yeah. because sometimes it can seem intimidating and yep. just coming home from hobby, I didn't want to be around a bunch of people. Um, and so, but I went because that was my transportation. I lived in that house and I had to kind of learn to be in compliance. But when I went and I went to orientation and Dr. Carey, cause I got to know him a little bit differently prior to then. And, um, and of course I met Chris a few times, you know, so, but the teaching was foundational because what I used to hear people say when they come back, get it while y'all here, honey. Cause ain't nothing like church in prison. Ain't nothing like church in prison. I say, surely God wouldn't deliver me while I'm here and let me get back outside and fall off. But he has, he's the keeper. Mm. And he has kept me doing our leadership and uh, training and uh, discipleship at, at Antioch. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. I love it. I've, I've loved, I've known Chris, Pastor Chris for a while. And uh, he used to be a youth director at, at my former church, Trinity. And uh, and I also watched him play basketball in high school. Yeah, and I've watched him coach too. So uh, it's been, it's been good uh, to get to know y'all. Uh, when I went, that's how I met you was when I went to visit. Um, but what was, what was it like? I mean, did you ever feel like, did you ever think like they're all staring at you? Like, you know, like they know what I, they know what I did, you know, are they going to look at me differently than they used to? You know, I mean, a lot of people just don't go to church out here after coming out of prison because there's the guilt and the shame that they feel. And some of that is warranted because Christians can be so religious sometimes mm-hmm. and we can, we can get caught up in only seeing defining you as what you did and what, what your, what your past says you are mm-hmm. instead of who Christ says you are. So talk about that journey and, and what Antioch has meant to you in your journey. You know what, coming home, um, because that's what my mom's home church is. And I was there in and out prior to my incarceration, but um, I did feel like that people was just going to be staring at me because my mom was a part of a prayer team and she had people praying for me. So, and they knew I was coming home. And so knowing that they knew, I'm like, my God, everybody knows, you know, but believe it or not, it's more that did not know that knew, okay. but it didn't take away the anxiety that I had going in, right. not going in because they were such a loving uh, body of people in Christ that I didn't feel the rejection. However, I, I've had had that within my community. Now, my anxiety was because of my nature of my crime, and so we'll get into that a little bit later, but because my uh, affiliations with the ministry work, you know, my godmother with my daughter's father being a pastor people and things like that, I worried about how they was going to accept me with my position and in Christ and want to be in the ministry work. Because sometimes they can say, yeah, we'll let you come, but we don't want you to be a part of this, and we want you to be part of that, and don't say this, and don't do that. But I did not feel any of that Mm. in my body of Christ. Now, just because I didn't feel it, don't mean that I mean, just because they didn't make me feel that way didn't mean that I wanted to step out and trust it right, either. Right. So I had to go through a while. I actually was at my church for almost six years of being home before I actually decided to do anything. Like, I just went. Yeah. And my mentor was like, Tina, what are you doing in church? I'm like, I go. And she's like, why do you just go? I said, because I just, if I got in a group, then they're going to ask me about this. Yep. And I was good just going, getting fed, but I wasn't being instrumental like I needed to be. Yeah. And then one day, Chris offered us to go into training for MIT, and I was like, 
Nah, I just I'm just hearing some things. And I stepped out, then I got a chance to meet my pastor on a different level mm. during that time and some of the other people in leadership in the church. And so it's been a great experience for me. And my prayer is that we can continue to have that because I know a lot of people who come home that do not go to church. Yeah. Uh, because they do not feel accepted within right. their church body, within their community, and even with their family. So if they don't get it with their family and their community, surely they can get it at the church, but we miss a whole lot through the cracks. Yes, a whole lot. A whole lot. And, mm-hmm. and it breaks my heart sometimes. It breaks my heart a lot of times. Um, so if you're in the Dallas area and uh, and you don't have a home church and you have a background uh, and that's the reason you don't go to church is because you don't feel like they're going to be able to look at you the way Jesus does, then check out Antioch. Absolutely. Come on over. We have an amazing outreach area and ministry, and we're there to welcome you with the arms like Jesus. Amen. And they have worship like you would not believe. And and also, uh, Pastor Chris uh, has his own gospel gospel group called Undignified Praise. Undignified Praise. Honey, they need to get that CD. You need to play some of that on one of these podcasts and let them hear it. My goodness. I may have to, I'm going to, I don't know how I can do that with copyright or whatever, but I'm going to see if I can. And, uh, because man, I mean, it is, it is good. I think everybody knows who Marvin Sapp is. And I just texted Chris today and said, his, his album just got moved past Marvin Sapp on my playlist, my gospel playlist. So, uh, so that that's so exciting to hear about the church because that's important for people when they get out because there isn't a lot of churches. And that's the reason that that person in, in prison said that because, you know, um, I'll be honest with you. Let me just tell you my, I mean, I, I've, I've been a part of two, two great churches since I've been out. They're amazing. But before I got out, I was leading. I was the inmate pastor at Lockhart and on Sunday morning we would have about a hundred men and we were singing how great is our God at the top of I our love lungs. That song. It had just came out and we were all singing it. And and I preached that that not not the typical prodigal son story, but the Onesimus uh, prodigal son story in uh, Philemon. That that prodigal son story, you know. And, uh, and then I sang a song called When God Ran by Benny Hester. And, uh, and I just felt like there would never be another experience like that for me out here. And I'm going to be honest with you, there wasn't until last Easter. They had my daughters part of the worship team, part of the, pres- the Easter presentation. And they got up there and they did, they did kind of a gospel praise song and on Saturday before Saturday morning I had to take them up there and practice and I was watching them practice and I started crying and the Holy Spirit just came over me he's like remember when you said you'll never have another experience you were singing worshiping and speaking to people on Easter Sunday I got out I got out two days after Easter Sunday Wow. And now here you are watching your own daughters who are about to perform on Easter Sunday on stage. How special is that? And oh my, I mean, even the Saturday practice was just so spiritually overwhelming. 
and and then then that Sunday morning, I was just like, my wife was just like, let me cry on her shoulder because it was just incredible. Because there are some special moments in church in prison. It is. People out here don't understand that. They do not. When do not. you when you when you get the word and the worship inside of inside of a, a room where there's people who have been through some crap, pure hearted, that are just crying out to God together, locking arms together. And there's it's almost nothing like it, you know. Now there's not necessarily the same pastoral and small group community that that we have out here. That's the that's the good part about mm-hmm. being out here, you know. And, and then just being able to go to the lobby or something and get some coffee or something is good too. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the good part too. But I mean, just to be able to know that he reminded you and gave you that sweet fragrance of that moment because the intensity of love and connection that you gain with some of the people there. Cause yeah. I have so many people that I've met there that I'm in contact with them and their families. Yeah. You know, we find a different type of bond. That's why God said in his word, you know, consider these people. Right. He mentions that. And so we tend to not realize he had that for a reason yeah. and we get, we've experienced that intensity, but we still want them when we come home too. So I'm yeah. so glad you had that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it hadn't always been this good. <laughs> not always <laughs> so uh so let's 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 do a background check on you now and uh and see we, we see where god has brought you now let's let's look at where god has brought you from okay and uh you know what was like what was life like growing up as a kid and your family you know and kind of walk us through into any kind of other trouble or good stuff that you did when you were a kid and and whenever and just kind of walk us through you know, into, into what happened. Okay. So, you know, as a little girl, I think I was born into a really great family and I still think my family is amazing. However, as all families do, they have their issues and challenges. Yeah. And so my mom, um, she was a single mom when she had me because my father chose to not want to co-parent. And so, um, I felt, you know, kind of odd after one day I went to one of our family events and I was seeing all my cousins who had their two parents. So I started to wonder about that and so but eventually my mom did meet somebody and uh unfortunately during that time it was beautiful in the beginning but unfortunately got bad somewhere in there so I ended up going through some abuse at a very very young age but I had an amazing woman in my life my godmother she's passed on um but she kind of took me in as a mentor um and, and I would love to talk about that even more deeper once I get past the background but nevertheless she kind of helped pulled me into church. So I stayed in church ever since I was a little girl. So I was, I want you, want you to call us churchy. Yeah. So I was going through the motions. I handed down to a science from the Easter time to some summer vacation Bible school to in the Sunday school class, singing in the choir to learn how to do this and learn how to do that. Down to a science, but then puberty hit. And so during puberty, I started reflecting back on the abuse that was happening at home, not having my father, seeing some of the things that I experienced in high school. It made me start to wonder why come my life had to be like this right here. So I questioned God. So I started to stray away. And so doing that straying, of course, I'm making choices, picking the wrong people, going to the wrong places and doing the wrong things. And so over a period of time, it started to have its impact on me. But considering because I was such a good student, I went to health magnet, and uh, so it's one of the schools where you get your academics and your curriculum at the same time. So I was in school for nursing, and so I was exposed to a lot of great things, but yet some challenging things, because at my school, we had a student parking lot. The students can smoke. You can do what you want to do. So I had a lot of things that I was 
seeing a different world at a young age. And so with that exposure, of course, when I'm when you're hurting at home, you start trying to find other ways to find other things to get into. And so, and I did, that's a typical kid. And so uh, dating became one of my things that was an outlet, you know, to get away from home. I want to go here to hang out with these friends and I was dating. And so I started getting into these serious relationships with different people that was still toxic because you know, but they say hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. and you kind of get drawn to certain things once you've been around that environment. You kind of culturize you out, and so I kind of flooded into that kind of thing into my mid um, young adult years. So by twenty something, you know, I had got sick of Texas, so I decided to leave. So I moved to New York. Oh my God! Stayed in New you York. You got sick of Texas and moved to New York. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I was following somebody. I was following somebody <laughs> in another lifestyle that wasn't very, and it wasn't a good choice, but it, and it was, again, the toxic was going on, and it was illegal. So I was there with my little good self trying to do something different, trying to get out of Texas because I'm a designer. So I, Texas, New York was the state of yeah. fashion. Yeah. So, of course, there was an opportunity to go there. I stayed there a few years um, before realizing I need to come home. And I th- thank God I made it home because New York was some very hard living. <laughs> I bet. A flat bush. In oh. Brooklyn, and oh, man. Jamaica Avenue in Queens. Yeah, you know, Tina, go somewhere like Manhattan or Bronx or somewhere to clean. You went to the hood straight. And so, but nevertheless, I got back to Texas in one whole piece, and uh, God kept me doing that time. When I got back home, I got back into an unhealthy relationship with somebody that I dated before I left Texas. And during okay. that time, I had my first son. So you went back to the same people, places, and things. I went back to the same people, places, and things. Because, again, if you don't establish new things, better things, you'll tend to go back. So yep. I came back home. And during that time, I got back with one of those people from my past, and I had my first child. So now I'm looking like a traditional uh, generational curse. My mom was single. Now I'm single and having this kind of stuff going on. And I was really striving because I was getting in classes. At this point, I got on at the City of Dallas WIC program, so I was a breastfeeding nutritionist counselor there after having my son for about three or four years. Um, And so um, during that time, I broke up with that father, and then I started dating my daughter's father, which has led me up into some of my situations. So, again, because I hadn't really gotten the help I needed to heal from the things that I've been running from for so many years, including God, uh, that relationship got to be a little more turbulence. Now, we we went through this thing in and out for about seven years because people kept asking me, well, why did you keep going back? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? You know, but sometimes you think you can help somebody. But when you need help, how are you going to help somebody when you need help? Say that. But you don't see that when you're in that. And because of my ed- education, I thought I really could do my use my psychology and my my what I thought I knew from school that can help this situation. But it wasn't helping. And so but I tried to stay in there because. I didn't want to be a single mom. And sometimes, you know, we try to do this thing with they say, stay for the children. It's not always healthy to do either. But I did that. And, and so um, doing those, making those choices, I ended up making the wrong last choice, which led me to that incident because we had several fights. He was on drugs off and on. And due to, because of his drug usage, he was volatile. And because I'm from Oak Cliff, I was volatile. <laughs> And so doing some of those really heated moments, it got really intensified. He would leave. We'd call the police. Police come. We'll get past all of that. Yeah. Protective orders. Um, we, I did all of that. Went through all those spells of needing that help, crying out, and going in a circle. So one vicious day, um, he was there and um, trying to take some property from the home, and we got into a serious altercation. And prior to then, you know, because he was in and out and on drugs, I wasn't sure – if he was coming there with other people, you know, around me and my children. So I purchased a gun. And because I knew that you could have one on your property, that don't mean that you, you know, 
because you can have it on your property don't mean you're supposed to have it on your person the way I was. Right. And so because in the intense moment when we got into that fight, I pulled a gun and I shot him. I did not shoot him to kill him. I shot him because I wanted to protect from what I've been going through. Yeah. And um, and they really classified me as snapped. Um, a lot of things um, went really, really fast. I couldn't even remember a lot of it at first because I didn't even realize the intensity of him being shot as many times as he was, even when it happened. Um, of course, I realized that sometimes after, after I was going through trial, um, the details of what happened. But the trauma of it affected my whole family. Mm. It affected my family, his family, and my children. My children, because they were there, they had to witness the stuff. Um, my daughter, because it's her father. And me, he's not here, now me being gone. So, of course, I had a case of self-defense. But in Texas, it's very streamlined. Yeah. A lot of times they don't really support you unless it's just real straight line cut. Um, even though I had the background, the paperwork, the documents, all the calls, all the things that would have justified it, they still said I made a conscious decision to do something outside of my jurisdiction lawfully, you know. And so I should have retreated is what they said instead of trying to fight for myself. So nevertheless, um, he, I shot him. I didn't know that he had died until like hours later after being interrogated, which was really sad because they told me that he was alive for a long time and I'm trying to speak to them just to make sure that he was okay. But uh, I later found out that he died. After hearing that, you talk about a, a, a space of, of feeling like you wanna just die too. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like being in a space of knowing that you've had the life of someone passed because of the choice that you made. Yeah. Uh, not because I shot somebody I did not know or did not like or that was really trying to harm me, harm me, harm me. He was, but I cared about him. Yeah. I cared about him not as only as my daughter's father, but as my friend, because he was a friend before he got sick. And I wasn't any much more healthier myself. So during that time I went to trial, it took two years. I was on house arrest for two years. Um, and I learned a lot during that time because I had to be still. I couldn't go out like I wanted to. Losing your freedom to house arrest is just like being gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, well, you're home. It, I but think it's worse sometimes. Because everything is right there and you just can't get it, yep. you know. And so it gave me an opportunity to see what would it be like in case I did go. But I had I hopes that I wouldn't go because my attorney, I was the first murder he had ever lost. So when we got him, I just knew I was going to get to the other side of this and just yeah. go through recovery with my family, get to the other side. But then I still had death threats because the other family was very upset with me. Mm. And they had a, a, a strong community of people. Um, his father uh, was a pastor, and he's retired now, but they're all affiliated with everybody in Dallas. So at this point, um, they had a news clipping on me. I was in a newspaper. Um, so to think that, as a, a, a growing, developing designer in the city of Dallas trying to make it, and now all of a sudden you're like this minister society, mm. it's like the worst thing in the world to think you have to start over from. Yeah. But again, when, when I got sentenced for that time, and that was grace, because they could have continued to fight for premeditated murder, because that's what they wanted to say it was, but they ended up charging me with involuntary manslaughter, which means it was involuntary, meaning it wasn't maliciously done. They realized that I did have um, unhealthy things going on domestic wise that I would did have the grounds to protect myself just not in a way that it happened and they wanted to hold me accountable to something so even though it was the first time never have done anything they wanted to make me be an example to my choices and I was okay with that because honestly I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for that but nevertheless just seeing um, what I had never really known I have never really watched TV and saw people in prison. I never seen what jail life was like. Yeah. I never saw none of that. So that was a culture shock for me 
to go in and have to be stripped down and be humiliated. That brought me to a place of pure depression. People wanted to visit me, but my mom wouldn't allow them to visit me because she knew I was slipping away. Yeah. And um, I did have a bad, I wanted to commit suicide. It's just that God saved me. And that's the day I totally repented and gave my life completely to Christ uh, because he realized. And where was that? When that you were in at, prison? When I was at prison at Hobby, it was like nine months, 12 months into this thing, right before the holidays. I in had your cell, by yourself? And I was in a cell. My bunkie was in the, the day room. I had came from a visit. Everybody thought I was really happy. And I sat there and I thought, I'm not going to be a dude 20 years like this. Mm. I don't think I could do another year like this. And um, I sat there and I had those pills for my prescription. And I was going to just take all those pills and go to sleep and die. And my family would have to come get me. And uh, But I woke up and I realized that God kept me that night. I, I realized God was real. And ever since that encounter, near death, God has been by my side. Hmm. Since wow. then, I came home, um, and he's still been by my side. That is amazing. Yeah. Uh, now, how did you have enough pills on you to think you could take your own life? Well, you know, when you get, when you get, can you can sign for a hydrocodone mm -hmm. because of your back issue? Because I still suffer with that pain, but, um. Did they let you keep them on you? You know, or did you do the whole pill call, but, fake swallow? Well, you know what? I had the, uh, I don't know if you remember, they had the little sliver things. I mean, I didn't try to get nobody in trouble. No, no, that, no. You, know? you had the little sliver things. Yeah. And so I didn't go to pill line. Oh, okay. I went right. the first few times till they got my prescription done, but I had the little sliver things that had my name on it. And I had okay. permission to have it. But now, <laughs> contraband. <laughs> so about the background check now. I hadn't been all the way delivered. Some of my pills, I did use my stamps to get them from people. Yeah. Okay, because I was I was on a mission. I was yeah. really depressed. I was yeah. in, and I was at a bad spot. When that happened, I was making even worse. I mean, choices. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. You know, just number one, thinking you weren't going to go to prison because of the self defense. Thinking that man, after all the all that time of trying to defend yourself in a certain way and not being able to properly, you did the only thing that you think you, you thought you could have done at that time that was for your best, you know, purpose. And then, and then being sentenced to, how long was your sentence? 20 years, 20 years. Um, I just can't imagine. I mean, I, I was sentenced to five and I, I mean, I, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I would have acted if it, if I hadn't gotten to that fight and got locked up in solitary confinement and had my encounter with God, then I don't know how much worse I would have been because I was an angry, I, I was an angry inmate, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I was, uh, the fight improved it, but, oh man, what a, what a story. Because I mean, I know all the sides now and you've shared, you shared the good of what you've done now. Um, so now there, there's that gap there. Okay. So, uh, we talked about you being out and everything you've done since you've been out. And then you just talked about, you know, about nine, nine or 10 months in is when you were going to commit suicide, but then you repented and gave your heart to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So now what was, how many years did you do? I did four. So what was that four years like? So after, so after I, that, so after I had that encounter, of course, you know, we have this misconception when you give your life to Christ, it's about to be hunky dory peaches and cream. <laughs> Parole next to review, right? <laughs> I'll get to go home. Okay, God, I think I, I, I got it. I got it. I'm good. So no. Um, so I, of course, found out about the programs that they were offering on the inside. And so um, I put in to try to get a housing change because I lived on, if you've ever been to Hobby, they have two sides of the fence and one side is more intense than the other. Um, and so they heard about the Faith Dawn program. And so I really was trying, I was going to church every Sunday, you know, but that wasn't enough for me. I needed more. Right. And so I was Man, trying to you know find, what? That's good. 
that's good for people out here too. Mm-hmm. You oh, can't absolutely. just go to church, man. Mm-hmm. You got you need to do more than just you gotta do show up and sit on your blessed assurance. There ain't no blessed assurance if you're just going on Sundays. So it's gonna be assured to be not a blessing if you continue in that route. But you definitely had had to have more, and I needed more, and so I was trying to get it. But a lot of times when you have like the age I was going in at forty, because I had a twenty year sentence. Uh, because I had education, a lot of classes were denied of me. So mm-hmm. I had to try yeah. to find things that were available uh, intentionally to help me utilize that time. Because, of course, sitting there being idle, I was going to think about this. And it's nothing like dead time looking the same way every single day. That's what exactly it looks like. And so Idle Minds the Devil Workshop. Do you think that that's something they can change? And, and, and I don't know how they would change it. Because I, I got turned down for a lot of schooling because I had short time. I didn't have enough time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and 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 I had other inmate friends that were turned down for things because they already had master's degrees and they already had different things. And but I mean, is, is isn't there a better way where where a lot of this stuff can be offered to anybody who wants to better themselves? I believe it needs to be a medium for that because again, short timers miss it and big timers miss it too. And then yeah. you got those that may have that grace moment like mine's. And need to be prepared to go back to society when you think phones change every three months, life changes yeah. every year. And so, yeah. yes, I think they need to find a medium to offer things to people, even though it may not be a college degree or it may not be your changes reentry program, but things that keep you from just being in a uh, dangerous moment, time yeah. and space, just sitting there. Because I guess the tablets help a little bit because now they can be constructive on what they, you know, if they want to personally develop themselves, there's lots of stuff on that. Lots of content to help them do that. There's also some just idle stuff on there. It's just like if you're a TV movie watcher or whatever, and now you have your, your tablet, you can not do it in the day room. You can do it on your tablet and just sit in your cell and do nothing. So it can make you worse. It can make you worse of a person than you already are, or it can make you a better person. Absolutely. And so I guess the tablets help a little bit, but uh, but man, I just wish they, you know, I mean, I couldn't take a trade. I couldn't do any of that stuff because I was a short timer. Absolutely. And so, yes, they need to find other ways to negate that time that doesn't sit dead with people who have things on their mind. Because when you think too long on some things, you can find yourself in the wrong people, places and things as well. Because believe it or not, just because you're locked up in prison don't mean you don't can't be found. Yeah in the wrong people, places, and things. So did you get your housing reassignment? So I did not, but I did join the choir. So they got me out an extra day out the week. And so I promised um, that I got in the choir and I was thinking, okay, maybe I sent something in the choir. You know, they may decide to let, you know, see I'm doing some good things with the church. I can get into the faith dorm. And I was working in the field squad. So can you imagine working in the fields? So I come in. Whole squad, uh, turn out. I was on the whole squad. (laughs) I was felt like a hoe. Uh, and so I would turn out and we would go to church and sing that song. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the fields. I'm blessed when I come and when I go. I'm like, God, I need a job change. On. I need to do this I-60 answered. I'm not blessed going out here stripping in the cold, in the rain with these people. I don't feel blessed going uh. I don't be blessed coming. I just want a job change and a housing change. Please, God. I pleaded. I was running to the chaplain. I said, chaplain, can you please try to get my It's a waiting list. So for a while, God was like, well, what's your reason? He wanted to check my intentions. Because I was trying to just get the better housing. Honestly, you know, I I needed Jesus. I needed to be doing more. But I really just needed to get on the other side of the fence. But nevertheless, contrary to belief, just because you get into the fake norm, everybody don't go to church for the same reasons. So sure enough, I'm trying to get over here to the Wait church house. I mean, it's that way in prison too? Because it's that way out here too? Everybody not going to church for the same reasons. 
I remember my celly one time. I invited him to church. He goes, he goes, all right, I'll come with you. And he came with me a few weeks, and then he wouldn't come anymore. I was like, hey, what's, what's wrong? He goes, man, he goes, man, I just feel like too many people go to church for the wrong reasons down there. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. He goes, he goes, I'll just wait till I get out to go to church. And I'm like, come on, bro. There's so many people that go to church for the wrong reasons on the outside. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> Show off their clothes, uh, get a man, get a woman. They can be uh, the new clubhouse. Anything, man. And they go down oh. and try to date, trying to find them a good Christian girl or a good Christian guy. I mean, so at this point, you weren't thinking of, okay, how can I be a light on the dark side? You were just trying to get to the to the side where the light, the more light is. And then you're starting to realize, okay, then people don't shine as bright as they think they do. Absolutely not. So I got into the faith dorm. I got accepted. Oh, I'm happy. I get in here and I'm like, Lord, you building a prayer warrior out of me. So I did get a job change eventually. Okay. And I became an SSI. Nice. No, not nice. <laughs> Wait, depends on where. So I had SSI job inside my building. So that mean, I didn't even oh, have to turn your all building? the way out. Oh, man. So I'm SSI. It's not just in my building, but in the place where I live. Uh, so now you got to think, what's your duties in the church house? Yeah. So I'm in the church house that's not so churchy, and I'm the SSI. And they treat you like trash. Yeah. Trying to steal the bippy because they want they OCD and want to, you know. And I got to get in trouble because they think I'm trying to sell it and, you know, it's coming up missing and those things. So I went through all those nice, wonderful trials and tests that's going to build my character because right. I needed to be able to be trusted. Yeah. And so he put me in intense bank basic training in the fate dorm while I was at Hobby Unit. Now, I mentioned I'm at Hobby in the fate dorm trying to get it together. Yeah, it's mm. a lot of training. So I was there. The program's 18 months. So I mind you, I got in there like about a year and a half after being there. And then I got in, I stayed there for two years. I actually par paroled out of there. Okay. So I stayed right. there the whole time. It was uh, it was quite a journey, I must now, say. Now, what are some of the what are some of the curriculum and some of the classes in the faith-based dorm that meant a lot to you? One of the main ones that I really like, which is very close to like the overcomers, is Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. Celebrate Recovery, because it's biblically based. I had heard about NA and AA, and that wasn't really my, my issue. I mean, I want to drink, but, you know, I wasn't an alcoholic. Well, I'm gonna say I wasn't, and so, but nevertheless, I didn't think those classes really fit me. But the over the uh, celebrate recovery class covered a lot of things. Now, mind you, I'm in the dorm for two years, so I went through that class several times. So the first time I went through it, I really didn't do it like I should have worked it, so they say. But by the third time, I really felt the God moved me about forgiveness. But they have classes on um, calming your anxious heart experiencing God, that was another one of my favorite ones uh, because it helps you understand how we put God in a box. Yeah. And believe it or not, even in our faith journeys, we still put God yes, in a box. Do. But Experience of God study helped me to break past those barriers. Mm. They have a lot of um, life uh, relationship classes. They help you know how to deal with um, relationships with yourself, uh, relationship with God, okay. and relationship with other people. So a lot of those classes were really instrumental because they're all biblically based. And they were going to give you examples of people in the Bible who experienced some of the same traumatic things yeah. that you have gone through, made some of the bad choices you made, lived out the consequences of those choices, and they're still thriving and being used by God today. Mm, so it was a so really good, good class. So it was, it was a lot of richness in there. So good. Uh, who is somebody, whether they were in prison with you or out here on the outside, uh, that you would point to and say, you know what, this person really, really was integral part of me um, just holding my faith, keeping my sanity, just keeping it all together during, during those times. My godmother. My godmother, she was a constant person who was there the whole time. And um, 
I met her when I was a little girl. Even when I got ready to go in, she told me, she said, Tina, you won't be there long, but um, I won't be here when you get back. Mm. It was bittersweet because I went through two parole set-offs, and i never forget the year she passed, July 1st of 2013. I knew I was mm. going to be going home, but I wasn't going to see her again. But she told me, she said, Tina, you need to work on forgiveness. And she meant that not just for me forgiving the people and the incidents that got me there, but forgive myself and forgive God. Now, can you imagine? Wow. I didn't realize I was mad at myself and God like that. Because, you know, we tend to forgive people and not forgive ourselves. We hold ourselves in a whole, a whole hostage spot more than we do other people yeah. who have harmed us. But she told me that, and she stayed by my side that whole time. And I never forget uh, when I got the call that she had passed, I knew. She said, she told my mom, she she won't be there long, but when she get out, she'll be ready. Meaning she knew I wasn't going to be being Jonah no more, running yeah, 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 yeah. 365 speed this way. I was going to be going that right direction, and it has panned out to be just that. Now, I didn't get it. I would be ready. Ready for what? Yeah. You know, ready to do what? You know, now I understand because now the things that she was teaching me as a little girl in church, I'm doing all those things now. Mm. When prison ministry wasn't even a popular thing. Right. When churches um, had people coming there from transitional houses, homeless shelters to the church, I witnessed all of that and was around all that back then when it wasn't a big hoopla. And now I know the pureness. I know when somebody's doing it and, and what, when I know when somebody's being genuine, when I was not, it helped me prepare me that when I came through this, like all the people God used in the Bible, that I'll be able to utilize it in the right capacity. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so impressed with you. Now, uh, what I want to know from you, is uh these some of these things you've written uh so tell me about the hobbyisms daily affirmations and uh having hope on the uh, hobby unit when was this written written and uh and and who was it written for okay so that pamphlet was created as something as a quick giveaway because you know when you go and share on the inside they always want to know what you're doing and you share something but i had written a lot of poetry while i was on the inside and some of that poetry has been uh published in some of my books uh, now that i'm on the outside but i want to be able to give them something that 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 can be a takeaway and they can reflect on so the hobbyism is created because i'm what at hobby and one of the things i used to tell people i would be there and they be done went home and they be done came back i'm like are you trying to make hobby a hobby like that's not my hobby my hobby is like sewing or knitting like could you do something different besides making hobby a hobby so i came up with the hobbyism and hobbyisms is like affirmational positive statements that can give you something constructive to stand on and so inside of there i took the word hobby and i made positive things and, and negative things like if you would do this you get this out of hobby if you did this you get this out of hobby yeah let me read let me read those because okay. it says right in the middle of the page it says what side of the fence are you on hobby you have hobby h-o-b-b-y helping others by bettering yourself first and then you have on the top of the page it says hobby h-o-b-b-y hurting others by being barren yourself so tell us what you mean by each one of those so yeah so okay the word says love thy neighbor as thyself so a lot of times you tell people that you love them if you're not really loving yourself genuinely meaning you say you love me and you're doing things to hurt yourself, put yourself in harm's way, you don't love yourself. And the mm. same way you do it to yourself, you do it to somebody else. Because God say, love thy neighbor 
as thyself. So when you're doing something constructive to help yourself, you can't pour it into somebody that you, what you don't have poured into you. So you have to help you be better before you can help somebody else be better. Mm. And if you decide to sit there and be barren and don't take that in, then it's what you're going to pour into that other person, that negative barren mindset. Wow. So good. Now, some of these you wrote while you were in prison, right? Yes. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, take pictures or scan these and post them on the show page as well so people can read them. That'd be great. Uh, are these are these considered poems? Yes. Okay, and one's called Why Prison, Why Me? Another one's called Why Me, Why Hobby? Uh, so, um, and, and you just make all these hobby acronyms. I love it because one of them says hobby, H-O-B-B-Y, habits often build up or break down your life. Uh, hobby, helping to lead others by being an example yourself daily. This is incredible. A healthy outlook on life because you believe in yourself uh, or hell on wheels bound by your choices. I love these. I love these. We're going to, we're going to take some snapshots of those. Uh, now, now tell us about um, from bound to bound poetic reflections on prison life. Ty Washington. Tell us about that. So bound from bound to bound is really walking down my time on the inside. So we encounter a lot of things like, uh, the chai hall, commissary, the beauty shop, the day room, being in a cell block, depending on what type of house you're living in. If you're in a cubicle, that's a different type of setting. So I kind of walk down some of the different things we encounter during that time in a poetic form, but it always has God somewhere in the middle of it. Wow. And so um, I talk about like, you know, the, the, the prison beauty shop. I mean, what, what are they looking to do? What, what, when you're going to wear the same outfit, I'm just trying to figure out, is a hairdo going to change you? <laughs> you know, or like, uh, the day room, what happens in the day room? You encounter, you know, what side of the choices are you going to be making when you go into the day room? Because you could just pass through the day room every day with a lay-in and come back to your cell. Mm. Or you can utilize the day room for the, with the TV and be constructive, or you could be destructive with it. So I kind of walk down what that looks like with people every day. With, through conversations that I had with people in there, I just kind of composed some things. And all the titles, like Prison Sign Language. You ever seen that? Oh, like, yeah. who created oh, yeah. Prison Sign Language? That was That's on one of my, you might be a felon if. You know how to do Prison <laughs> yeah. Sign Language. So I'm like, okay, that is not, is that really a language? Prison Sign Language? I mean, I knew ESL, but you know that, okay, yeah. So and see, I knew go. I knew a little ESL too. And I'm like watching these guys talk from across the room and I'm like, it's not ESL. And so I don't know what it is. You well, know? I and know I think what... I think each gang had their own sign language. Absolutely. So uh so you got an appointment here called No More Pills. So no more pills is one of those things like you know, sometimes people go to they self sedate themselves during yeah. that time and so they'll get in the pill line to get pills to kind yeah. of walk down that time, you know, and some things they can really just pray them their way through it. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Uh, because this is going to air right around Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. and I see a Valentine's Day poem in here. Okay, can you just read it for us? Absolutely. Awesome. All right, Absolutely. this is uh, this is out of the book Bound from Bound to Bound. Uh, we're going to try to find a way to uh, post it on the show notes to make sure we make it available to whoever wants to to get this. So, all right, go. Valentine's Day. I thought this was going to be just a lonely Valentine's Day. But did I not know or realize there was something very special coming my way? My family sent cards and friends sent letters. And even I got some family pictures that made me feel even better. I had a very good breakfast and lunch. It was a great day, too. Dinner had me feeling like it was IHOP, wonderful meals the whole day through. Hard to say when you go to child. I had some conversation with people up and down the halls. We talked about everything from bringing freedom to the world and the shopping malls. The officers working that day were especially nice to me. 
He passed out supplies like he worked at Walmart talking about everything is for free. I decided to write some letters and I had a few things to say. I just wanted to share the good news of what really made me happy that day. I got to take a shower. The hot water was hot. Hooray. I never felt that I would have a good day this way that heaven sent my way. I sang a couple of songs and one that made me really feel good. And because I was praising God, it did what it should. I had to close it out with some daily word. Then I had a very special message of something that I've never heard. No, I don't have to be that way while I'm here, but I trust God has a reason. But the only thing I do know, he has my, he's my spiritual sweetheart in this Valentine's Day season. Happy Valentine's Day to me. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. That is amazing. Thank you. Uh, okay, so tell us about tell us about um, a, a poetess's alabaster box. Tell us about that. Yes, so the poetess's alabaster box is based on the woman um, who came to Jesus and had everything, and she poured out to him. And so it's relatable to like us when we come to God. He wants to come to his feet. And I have the saying that we, we when you have no words to turn to, turn to the feet of Jesus. Mm. So in a de- devotional journal, what it is is a poem and a scripture and a prayer every single day for 31 days. That's kind of reflected on poems that's speaking about my encounters with God during that time. Wow. So you were so you were busy during that time. You didn't just sit around the day room. You didn't did your sewing uh, uh, uh talent come into play at all absolutely let me tell you that whole spiritual journey god would never let me go anywhere near the sewing area he needed me to learn how to sew in a different capacity so he removed sew completely out i could never work in the sewing gas get uh the sewing uh garment factory i never could sew when i then the laundry room Nothing related so to So everything sewing. you wanted to do. He took all he, those he took things all away. away. They add, you know how they, when you go in the intake and they ask you, what did you do in the free world? And it was like, I said, well, I did this. I was an educator. I was a seamstress. I did, and say something, we got, we got inside yard and kitchen. But I don't, did I, what? <laughs> so, but, but God wanted to, to get That's me so to fall good. in love with the gift giver and not the gifts because I was attached to my talents, my gifts, my skills, my gifts, but I wasn't attached to him. And so mm. he removed everything S-E-W and told me, you're going to S-O-W. You need to learn how to sew in a different capacity. So during all that time, I had to learn how to figure out, I'm going to be still sewing. Like, I ain't got no needle. Well, needles did come my way. <laughs> I was going to say, you didn't? Out of four Contraband. Years? <laughs> sewing. You know, I saw plenty them, of needles. You know, thread for my eyebrows and, you know, there's a whole, this background shit. Okay. I do not. Uh, this is my disclaimer. I do not approve for anyone to break That's any right. rules in the state of Texas any of, this. of any of this in TDCJ. You know, whenever I whenever I tell all my jokes about uh, you might be a felon if uh, there's one about ramen noodles, you know, and how how the person like, did you see, uh, tell my wife, did you see that guy when he walked by the ramen noodles? And um, I guess this whole thing about, man, what he's going through his mind is I can I can put some chili in in there. I can put some cheese on there, and I can cut my summer dog up with the broken razor blade. A, a whole, and then I'm like, a whole recipe book. And I'm like, don't go breaking your razor blades, guys. Don't go breaking that stuff down. I had a cousin that came home. He did 22 years. God bless his soul. He did a now he wasn't even familiar with Facebook, but he got on there did a live. Why was he chopping up spam? Tell me I'm finna do me a spread. I said, boy, did you you did not come home. Tell me you finna do a spread on Facebook Live. <laughs> institutionalized oh man deliverance so is available you know you know what i did do though uh i did um do a i did do a, it's on our our youtube channel forgiven felons 
um, on how to make a, a sterno with toilet paper. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. You, you wrap it, wrap it really good, and then you turn it inside out, and then you light it, and then it's like a little sterno, and you heat up, you heat up whatever. But county jails where we did it the most because you mm-hmm. didn't have hot pots. You had a stinger, but they would turn the electricity Ooh, off at night, that, those and so stingers. we would, so we would, uh, we would, we would have to do the toilet paper and the light, the lighter, and then we would. That's how we'd heat up. I our heard, coffee I heard, night. I heard about the people doing that, <laughs> starting fires for real, for real with that tissue. No, but let me tell you something. You know where the real air fryers came from? On the inside, mm. you get a paper bag or some cardboard, tape it together with the contraband tape, and get your blow dryer. Yep. Whole easy bake yep. oven. Oh yeah. So we started the air fryers. <laughs> um, you know, so I, we got to get together on this. Uh, you know, you're a felon when you're doing these yes, kind of things. Yes, yes. You know, so I, you know, uh, the whole thing was I, I was dating my wife, and she was never been in trouble before. And so I would always point people out to her and say, hey, you know, that, that guy's been to prison. She's like, how do you know? And then I would show her all the markings and everything, you know, the teardrop tattoo and different name tattoos mm-hmm. and all this stuff, what sleeved out means. And one day we were in Walmart, and I said, there, that guy's been to prison. And she's like looking at him. She's like, I don't see any of those things. How do you know? And I said, do you see his eyes light up when he walked by the ramen noodles? I'm like, you know, you know somebody's see, been to prison. That's when you know, when you see certain <laughs> items. Like me, I buy the uh, pink box intentionally. Okay. They got a pink, a blue, and a yellow yep. at Dollar Tree. Yep. I buy that sweetheart box yep. because it's a sweet reminder that I can get this sweet. They're a whole lot cheaper out here than on commissary. <laughs> yes. My husband drinks black coffee. He don't like anything in it but a plain sweetener. So I buy that intentionally yeah. to remind me that. If I keep making good choices, I can buy so it here good. a lot cheaper than so, on the commissary list. So good. So. so good. Yeah, we do. I love making people laugh when I go in. You know, I talk about the benefits of being a felon. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to work in the nursery at the church. <laughs> oh, I don't want to watch those kids. Not even mine. <laughs> well, that's the thing. After we had kids, they came to us and said, you know, all new parents, you know, after after a little while have to do a rotation in, in the nursery. And I'm like, I'm like. There's got to be a way I can get out of this. I said, wait a minute, I'm a felon. Don't y'all do background checks? First time I've said I'm not a forgiven felon, I said, I'm a felon. I'm bad. You do not want what me in the nursery. What did they say when you said it? Well, they, they remembered. Pastor? Yeah, oh. no, they remembered that they. That I can't. They won't, they won't let me right. because of the background check. Right. So, because if anything happens, then they're liable for Listen, a felon. Listen, use working. your grace where you can. Absolutely. Use your grace where you jury can. Jury duty? I don't ever have to do jury I duty. Go. I didn't want to go back then. <laughs> now I have an excuse. Did you did you did you know how to background? <laughs> oh, I love it. The benefits yes. to be a felon. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> when, when, when when a boy comes to to knock on my door to pick up my daughter for her first date with him, he's going to walk into a, a, my home lobby with all my prison certificates hanging on the wall and then he's going to say, um, "I'm here to pick up your daughter." And I'm going to say, "No, you're here to fill out this I-60. I'll get back with you in a few months." That part, and he might have to fill out a grievance and if he grievance, don't get some grievances too. To take <laughs> fill out a grievance because he wasn't able to go on the date. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it. Like I love sharing those type of scenarios because that makes it relatable when you go in. Like I told him, this is what I said. I said, "Y'all worrying about being locked down?" I said, "Let me tell you, I had the best training. Do you know what happened when they had a pandemic on the outside?" They had struggles. People yep. were doing all kind of matters of evil to their family members. Oh, they didn't yeah. realize they didn't like each other. We know how to we know how to get Domestic along. Domestic violence. Domestic went, numbers went up, went up yep. big time because they didn't know how to be racked up. Addictions, addictions uh, to everything went went way yeah. up. I mean, it was crazy. And I told them, I say, listen, let me tell you something. I mastered the tissue issue. Yes. See, they that's what I was telling people. Whenever there was a shortage, I was like, look, if you don't have any toilet paper or you have a little, go go make friends with a felon. They will show you how to ration that thing out. They will make you. They will show you how to make a whole row last a whole week. Listen, I was gonna start selling <laughs> selling five sheets for a stamp. 
I'm about to become a new whole entrepreneur. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You know, the, the whole premise of our uh, show, Background Check, is um, the motto is your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. Oh, I love that. All right. You know, don't hold you back, because, pay you back. Because the background didn't do anything but steal from us. Mm-hmm. It stole, uh, it stole our, our, our identity, time. time, finances, relationships, jobs. It stole so much from us. And the Bible clearly states if a thief stole anything, he got to pay it back seven times. And you so, see what I'm saying? So, so, so in what way do you feel that your background, I mean, just outside of, you know, the, the obvious people may be buying your books and stuff like that. People may be giving you an honorarium for coming to speak. You know, how, how has your background have, has you made it and put a demand on it to make you pay you back instead of hold you back? Well, let me tell you, first thing, I didn't realize it was going to be a platform to my salvation because I'm working out our soul salvation yeah. every single day. Yeah. So it really helped me gain some footing on my purpose here. I knew he knew I was going to make all these mistakes before I made them, but I didn't know it. But now on this other side of thinking what was going to hold me back, seems to have set me up for more success. So yeah. of course you, you mentioned about the book selling and getting paid to come and speak as I do get compensated to come and share, but being able to encourage other people, like going back and showing a sister that yes, you can do it. You can find hope in a healthy relationship. I mean, because I, didn't, I thought yes. I was going to stay single, yes. you know, considering my nature of my charge. I mean, you know, think about the dating, yeah. you know, online. I mean, People, they do my profile. Be I like, mean, how's a guy? How's a guy? Your husband, when he found out, when he first met you, he may may not have known what you were, what you went to prison for at first. But at some point, he had to learn it from he somewhere. He had to learn it. I had to share it with him. But just imagine, I would rather tell him in person yeah. with a different thing than trying to do an application online for yeah. like the profile because they'd be like, well, what did you go to jail for? I'm like, mm, that, they're going to delete my whole account. So, you know, just knowing that I can be more upfront with people about the hope well, of a and, life after DX. And another way it's going to pay you back is the fact that when you meet people, when you meet even a person on the street, at the store, at church, whatever, and you find out by by way of them maybe sharing with you that they're going through the exact same thing you went through. Mm-hmm. Now you're able to sow SOW into their life. Absolutely. And your background is literally paying you back in blood, Jesus's blood over their life. I like that. That's good. So... It's, I like that. Yes. I, I, every time I talk to somebody about my story, the story of forgiving felons, even sharing stories with Pierre on the, this is this is me and you combining to have our background pay us back because we've got there hasn't been an episode that hasn't gotten a letter to us from from somebody in prison or even awesome. out here that that it, uh, their it episode didn't them. impact their life. Yes. Some of them were even like I had the sheet rolled up. I mean, you know what that means. And they yes. said, but but I, I, I listened to this episode and I gave my heart back to Christ. You know, that is so good. So um, and it's so needed. It is. That's why I'm so glad that they have the podcast options. We talk about things that they can do in the middle and that's a good medium. You know, we can remove the negative as much as possible, but they are able to hear and have accessibility to this yeah. because everybody couldn't afford a radio. Right. And everybody wanted to fight over the TV in the day room. Oh, yeah. So now this is helping people not only keep the peace, but they can get some constructive things by listening to your podcast and, then and other when good they, information. when they find something constructive, mm-hmm. now they can go tell, hey, you need to look this up. You need to look this That's up. That's it. And Absolutely. Because that, they, they tell us all the time. That's what they do with the podcast. They share 
uh, and it's really cool. We'll get letters that say, um, I didn't even know if your podcast existed until another inmate came and told me to listen told to me it. Told me about it. That's good. And so, uh, so now we're... Talk, talk about inside marketing. I yes, tell people all the time, honey, yes. you're talking about ain't no money there. People have families. They'll support them. They'll pay for things and buy them things. To uh, so that's untapped market thinking Absolutely. that you can uh build with people from on the inside. Yeah, we are wealth from the inside out. Okay, so this is gonna go to people in jail and prison as well as people on the outside. All all around the nation, it goes all around the world too. But uh, I don't know if it goes into any international prisons, but it does go into a lot of prisons, county jails all all over our nation. Uh, last I checked, there's almost 400,000 tablets That is out there. so good. So speak to those people that are behind bars and, and, say, and give them a message, a quick message of hope. Listen, just because of where you are right now is not where you have to be. And I say that safely to say this. The question hit, what if I have life? That's not the life that God has for you. The life God has for you is the life that he has for you, and that's with abundance and eternity with him. But he can start here on earth if you surrender over and give him your life completely. There is hope for you no matter where you are in the world, what bar, what prison, what jail you're behind. God has a purpose life for you in that moment in this season. What a great message. Now speak to that woman who's in a relationship that, that is abusive and give her hope. Give her some advice. Give her some wisdom and counsel. Listen, if it happened, it's real. The flags are there. You see it. Listen to it. Remove yourself from it. It does not get better. The only way to get that kind of help is to go to those who are being silenced out by that person. So if you're in an unhealthy situation in this moment, seek out that help. We are here. You can go. Um, to, to online for many resources, two one one. And we'll get some. We'll get some of those resources from you, there. and we'll put links on the. Apps, on that the would show be great. Page. And so there's a lot of help that's available. We are here. People are praying for you. Believe that unhealthy situation because it does not get better with you being there in the moment. Amen. Thank you so much, and it was a pleasure to hear your singing voice as well. Okay. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, and so thank you so much for just opening your heart. And uh, sharing us, telling us your background and telling us, you know, what God has brought you from. Yes. And just to see what he's done with you and you've done what he's done in you and through you since you've been out. Thank you just, for this time together. It's just incredible. Yes. And I'm honored to, to call you friend even more now that I know your story. Thank you. And so bless you. And I can't wait to come speak at your class again. Yes. And, we got to get uh, you on the calendar. Yeah, we will. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Tina, for that interview. Did you enjoy the um, the uh, interview with Tina? Listen, if you did, if some something she said impacted your life, give us a give us a shout. You know, whether it's uh, out here with your text or email, or if uh, you're on the inside uh, jail or prison, write us. Uh, you can you can find our address in the uh, the little notes on the show notes. So uh, if if you can't find it, it's P.O. Box four two eight three. Cedar, C-E-D-A-R, Hill, H-I-L-L, Texas, 75106. Um, so, yeah, so what she's been saying, man, oh, my gosh, what she has said, she said so many mouthfuls. And uh, let me just tell you, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you've done in your life, I like how she, one of the things that really highlighted, highlighted uh, the interview for me was when she just went into prison 
knowing that God was going to put her somewhere where she thought she needed to be, you know, and uh, she had this, this, all this education. She had this master mastery of sewing, you know, and, and, um, and then her options were kitchen <laughs> or wh- whatever else it was. But I'm just like, you know, sometimes God, God doesn't do things exactly the way we think they should be done. And it's okay. Cause in the end, he's always right. In the end, he's always right. Even when we, when it looks like in the, in the moment, looks like he made a mistake in the end, he's always been right with me at least. So, uh, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, you know, she thought she was going to get a, uh, you know, not go to prison and not even be guilty. It was an accident. She was defending herself. Can you imagine? I mean, you allow yourself to stay in a relationship that's abusive and you let it get to the point where you have to defend yourself with violence and then, and then not even trying to kill him or hurt him that bad. She was just trying to get him away and scare him or whatever. And, um, in the end she, she killed him and, um, what turned into an accident was just something that God turned into a, a launching pad because she's doing so much for the, for the kingdom, for the Lord out here back in prisons. I know she goes back into several of the prisons she mentioned. I'm going to try to come in with her one day. Um, hobby. I'm trying to get to hobby, hobby and Marlon. I'm trying to get out there. Y'all tell your chaplain to invite me. I want to come out there. All right. Uh, Lane Murray. I want to come out there too. I want to go. I'm, we need, I got some, I got some women in church with us at social Dallas that want to come into the women's unit and speak and share, uh, and just meet some of y'all. So, so y'all, uh, talk to your chaplain. Let, let us know if we can come in. All right. Um, so, you know, if you're out there and things, life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would be. Maybe, maybe there was an accident and your life was something, maybe not this exact same way, maybe not to this extent, but maybe some things happened that you didn't, you didn't mean to happen. You didn't want to happen and they happened. And, um, maybe you're facing some things that you are not sure of because of that. Uh, I just want you to know, Tina, Tina's story gives you hope. Tina's story gives you hope. And I mean, she got out after four years on a 20 year sentence. That's unheard of. That's uh, it's unheard of. Uh, I mean, it's, it's happened before, but it doesn't happen. It's not very common. So, you know, and also if you're in an abusive relationship, there's no better time to get out than now. I'm going to try to post a link or two of some, some places you could call and get out help that help people get out of relationships like that. You deserve better. You don't deserve being beaten and talked to that way. And, uh, so I'm going to post some links of, of, um, maybe, maybe places you can call and get some help. Okay. And listen, if you're in a situation, you, you call 911 if you can and call 911 and I'm not going to sit here and say, don't defend yourself either. Defend yourself. <laughs> but at the same time, if you don't get out, and make the wise decision to get out, then you will have to make a decision to defend yourself that could lead to the same result as Miss Washington, and you don't want that to happen either. So please, if you're if you're in a situation, there's always a way out. I promise you, there's always a way out. So 
uh, thanks again for listening. Let's let's lift uh, Tina up in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Tina. I thank you for her story. I thank you that you never left her. I thank you that she has. You, she said you've never left her side. And I thank you because that's how that's how you are, God. You just you love to be by our side. You never leave us. You never forsake us. We think you're gone sometimes, but you're not really. You're as close as as, as ever. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for intervening in, in Tina's life. We thank you for protecting her, for protecting her from harm, Lord. Lord, we lift up um, everyone who's who's in a, an abusive relationship right now, who's in whether you're in prison or out of prison. Yeah, you could be in a, an abusive relationship in prison. And we just say to you right now, God, give them strength to break it off. Lord, give them protection. Give them the wisdom, the discernment to know when to call it quits and to know that they deserve better. You deserve better. And Lord, I just lift up everyone listening. I thank you that each week, Lord, people tune in to hear stories about you. They're, they're stories about us, but they're mainly about you. And I thank you for uh, intervening in all of our lives. Lord, I lift up every person listening to this right now. And I pray that you intervene in their situation Give them exactly what they need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for listening once again. And uh, we'll see you uh, We'll see you on Monday. Background Check in. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast. Brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, And please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.